Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great for another Tuesday morning. A little overcast here in, in uh, sunny, what normally is sunny Florida, but I'm not going to complain because it is warm, so I'm going to enjoy it while it is, and I'm sure uh, a good southerly breeze will come up and, and clear the clouds away for uh, for good uh, rest of the day, so I'm not going to complain. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But anyways, welcome everybody to the uh, Women of Golf Show this morning. Uh, Cindy, before we start, let me just, of course, remind everybody that we are live every Tuesday mornings uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time, and the uh, easiest way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com, and up in the search key, type Women of Golf, and that will take you to the main page, and uh, obviously during the live show, uh, that will be at the top of the page, but for some reason, if you're not able to uh, join us during that uh, broadcast time not to worry just go to that page women of uh, golf at blogtalkradio.com and just scroll down to the on demand section and they will be in order uh, as we uh, broadcast uh, here live but uh, you'll be able to listen to the recorded version uh, you can also go to itunes uh, we're available as a podcast at itunes.com uh, just again type women of golf and you'll get us there as well uh, always uh, love to have you uh, join in the conversation if you wish uh, you can call in at area code 347 945-5855. That's 347-945-5855. And you can also any email any questions or comments about the show to womenofgolf at gmail.com. And if you're interested in coming on the show, if you're uh, in the golf profession, if you're a teacher professional, maybe you're a player or an entrepreneur in the golf industry, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to either one of us, but uh, particularly you can reach out to Cindy at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. And uh, my email, of course, is Ted golftalklive at gmail.com. Okay, we've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to start off here with, of course, uh, the next segment uh, in uh, Cindy's Own Your Game series uh, called uh, entitled Play Your Game. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. And then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be joined by LPJ professional Mary Rabb. Uh, she'll be coming in about 9.30. Um, Cindy, let me, I, I was laughing uh, to myself here when we were going through the opening uh, something you said literally just before we went live, and, and uh, I had mentioned to you, you know, part of the series, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, some of your experience at the um, big break that you were in. Of course, most of you know that Cindy was involved uh, with the big break series on the Golf Channel, and you said, go ahead and ask me anything you want, and it just made me laugh because I thought I, that opens up so many doors and so many possibilities. I don't think we could all cover it in, a, in an hour, but it just made me chuck a little bit to myself. Um, Cindy, I want to... Um, I want you to go ahead and start us off here with the series, and then I'm going to jump in in a moment or two um, with, with some specific questions that I want to ask you about some of your experiences. So to play your game, what does that really mean? Again, everybody wants to 
be comfortable on their own skin, confident, so that they can play with courage and be more consistent. I mean, how many students come into you and say, yep. I just want to be more consistent? Everybody can hit a good shot and everybody can hit a bad shot, but we want to hit a good shot when we want to. And mm-hmm. depending on the situation, um, you know, if you can't hit the ball straight in the air on purpose, um, we don't need to do a playing lesson because you can't hit it where we want you to hit it. So right. we got to define, number one, we start out with define your game. What do you want? Why are you here? I want to hit it further. I want to hit it straighter. I want to putt better. You know, most people want to hit it further, and they don't realize they don't need to hit it further to score better. Right. Um, the second part of the series was the pregame. You know, who are you? What's your behavior style? What motivates you to action? How do you make judgments? So it's very important for you to know who you are. Uh, the third step is the game plan. You know, all right, so what are we going to do about this? How are we going to fix it? How good could we be? Um, maybe somebody just wants to play in a corporate golf outing. Well, you really don't have to hit it very far. You just have to hit it straight. And whether you're a male or a female, straight is always long. And, right. You know, uh, we've all played with people who think they're gorillas and they kill the ball, but it goes crooked and they have absolutely no value to the corporate scramble team. So you've got to make a game plan of what you want. The physical game was next. What do we need to fix yep. so that we're able to perform? Then the mental game. You know, if you're standing over a shot and you don't feel comfortable, don't swing because the little gerbil in your head is going to win. Uh, last week was the emotional game. You know, how do you react, respond, and recover when things don't go your way? You know, do you swear? Do you throw clubs? Do you bang clubs? Do you yell? You know, are you aware of your environment? Can you adapt and change course when you need to? Can you shift states? The perfect example of shifting states was 10, 11, 12 at the Masters, and then 13. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, total, total meltdown to I'm back now. And, and you go, wow, how did he do that? Well, it had to get so bad that he realized I must change direction or this yep. is going to end really bad. So that's the emotional game. And then, you know, this this week is, uh, player game, and the greatest players in the world have the ability to focus on the task at hand. You know, they've got a preset plan, a realistic goals and expectations. They know what to expect. Uh, if you're able to create your personal plan and follow your process, you'll have all the tools you need to play your game with the assurance of having done everything possible to play your best. So it all culminates to, you know, what what can you expect and what would make you comfortable? I don't want to play stressful golf. I want to play stress-free golf. Right. Don't you agree? Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of amateurs have is they don't know what to do. You know, they get out in the golf course. And it's not just about, hit, as you said, hitting the shots. I mean, if you can hit it 150 yards straight as opposed to, um, you know, 200 yards and crooked, you're going to be mu- a much better player and, and certainly a key player uh, as you said, for for a corporate scramble or, or whatever event you might be playing in, um, distance is is in my opinion really overrated. Um, you know, obviously if you can hit it accurately and you can hit it with some length, that certainly is going to give you some advantages. But I would much rather hit a shorter distance, but consistently 
know where the ball is going to go, you know, virtually every time. And you're not going to know every single time, but virtually every time, if you can control the ball in that sense, um, you're going to have a much more enjoyable round and a more successful round. And I think a lot of amateurs get focused on the numbers. They're, you know, they're thinking, I've got to shoot par, or I've got to shoot this. And, you know, come hell or high water, they're going to do whatever it takes. And like you said, they get up there and they play, uh, you know, that gorilla golf and they just try to muscle it around the course. And ultimately, you know, they're lucky if they break 100. And, you know, you've seen it, right, you've seen it and I've seen it. I I wanted to ask you, um, you know, Cindy, about that, about playing your game. You you touched on a very interesting point here in the last paragraph with with a lot of the professionals. You know, you're a professional as well. You get out there uh, when you're playing in an event and you have a game plan. You play your game. The problem, I think, with a lot of people is they're playing somebody else's game. They're playing a game that they've watched somebody else play on TV or one of their playing partners. When you were going during, uh, through your big break experience, obviously, you know, you're, you're not playing full rounds all the time. You're doing different competitions, but you had to focus on your strategy, if you will, um, in order to compete against the others, uh, in that competition. How did you prepare for to play your game, so to speak in that competition? Well, you know, it's funny. There was only there were. I was on Big Break three, right? And I had only seen Big Break one. I didn't see Big Break two. So I knew that there was going to be short game stuff, and I knew that you know. Again, part of this is why do you play, and what do you want, and what? Who are you? So it's the mirror of looking in the mirror, and I know for a fact that. I don't hit it very far. I've never hit it very far, but I've always hit it pretty straight. So if we're going to have a long drive contest, I'm not going to win. And part of that, you have to be willing to look in the mirror and see the truth, you know. So if we're not willing to look at the truth, you know, then give it up because the truth is going to bite you. Um, Long story short, I I practiced before because I knew they were going to ask me to hit the ball certain distances with short shots. Mm-hmm. So we teach in a golf dome in Buffalo, New York that's 100 yards long, and we have different targets out there that we can fly the ball certain distances. So I, being the competitive control freak that I am, I put different targets out there that were 5 yards, 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, 50 yards, 50 yards 60 yards, 70 yards, all the way up to 100 yards. And what I did was I figured out what I needed to do to fly the ball 10 yards on purpose. Right. Okay. And then 20 yards and 30 yards. Well, then I wrote it down. Well, then I typed it out big enough that I didn't need my glasses to read it because I don't play with glasses. I can't read, but I can't play with glasses. So I typed it out big enough that they could read it, and then I laminated it, and I had it in my pocket, my back pocket. <coughs> so anytime we had a short game contest, you know, hit it in the pail or put it in the grid, I looked, or I walked a yardage off, this is how far I need to fly the ball. Right. And then I looked at my cheat sheet, and then I performed the task at hand. Yeah. So I didn't just say, oh, my God, now i got to fly the ball over this bunker and land it in this grid. I, I figured out what the strategy was and how I, what was my plan to produce this shot. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and that's, that, that just – you know, sort of goes, Cindy, to, you know, the point that we're making is, you know, your game, 
you don't know anybody else's game. I mean, you can make observations, but you know your name. You knew what you needed to do in order to prepare for this competition. So you went out and did it. And this is why, you know, we can't emphasize enough, you know, in, in order to play your game, there's certain preparation that you might need to do. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to do exactly as Cindy does, but there might be something that you need to do to be able to play your best game. And, you know, that just sort of goes to um, the point what you just said, Cindy. You knew exactly what you needed to do uh, in order to prepare for that competition. And obviously, you know, it, it, well, it paid and off. Well, was within my reach, you know? Right. So needless right. to say, I knew I, I didn't really care if I won because mm-hmm. my purpose, believe it or not, was to learn how to play under pressure. So right. why did I bother to apply for the show? Because I wanted to learn how not to choke under the utmost pressure. So winning didn't mean that to me. Being able to hit a shot with a gun pointed at your head and your finger's on the trigger, and you get to choose whether or not you kill yourself, yeah. that's why I went. So, you know, it's important for you to know why you're doing what you're doing. And then to realize, you know, the minute we had the long drive contest, that's the day I yeah. lost, which yeah. is fine. Because I know, you know, I don't have all the talents. You know, I've only got some. Well, and, and you, you raised another interesting point as well, and I want people to really get this. You know, you said a few moments back, you said that the long drive competition is not a strength to you. You're, you're not a long ball hitter compared to, you know, other people out there. So right away, that's a weak area of your game. What's interesting, though, about that, Cindy, is when you talked about how you prepared, you prepared for areas that are your strengths. You didn't prepare for areas that you're weak in. Um, what some people, what a lot of amateurs would have done is gone out to the driving range, pulled their driver out and beat balls for, you know, six weeks up to the event, trying to improve their driving. And it's okay to certainly improve, you know, do your best to improve it. But if you neglect the areas where your strengths are, then the rest of your game is going to start falling apart. And you chose really the smarter path. You could have done that. You could have gone out to the range and, uh, you know, worked on areas that you're truly weak in as opposed to focusing on the areas that your um, your strengths are, and that's really playing your game. You knew you knew where your strengths were, you knew where your weaknesses were, and you tended to focus on where your strengths were because you knew you'd have the greater chance of success as opposed to taking risks uh, or unnecessary risks in areas that you're not as strong in. Correct. Correct. Because yeah, and that's yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I I, I, I can't win. The long drive contest, part of the, you know, reveal the truth and expose the elephant. What's the point? I, I'm never going to win a long drive contest unless we're doing it against somebody who's 80. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, again, well, and, and when you want to play, that, that makes another point. You should always try to play with somebody who's a little better than you. Right. Because you can see what they do. I mean, I have always, 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 always humbled myself and been quite honest with my abilities and gone to seek advice or wisdom from those who have been where I want to go. 
Yeah. So I would never take a golf lesson from someone I could beat unless I could beat them because they're old. Another, you know, Arnold Palmer I could right. beat right now. Would I go take a lesson? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. You know, because right. I want to know, I want to be a sponge when I'm around someone like that, or Kathy Whitworth, or Nancy Lopez, yep. or, you know, Rosie Jones, any of those people that are really super smart. So that's what I try to do. I always try to hang out with people that are better than me. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, I think that's another important factor as well. You know, always, you know, a lot of people are very intimidated, particularly women, and let's be honest. I mean, women haven't been around in some areas, uh, certainly on an amateur level. The professional obviously been out there for a long time, but a lot of amateurs out there, a lot of female amateurs are are still not comfortable um, you know, out in the golf course, they're, they're, you know, trying their best, they're nervous. And so, you know, if most women are not going to go as a single anyways and, and go up uh, to a golf course and jump in with a the group, they're just not comfortable. Uh, a lot of them doing that. Um, so I always suggest what, what you just said uh, to any of the people that I work with as well is always, you know, if you want to step your game up, be around people who are better than you. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to do everything that they do, but you can observe what it is, where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, and there's always something that you can take away and learn. And then when you go back for your lesson, you can say, okay, I was watching somebody the other day, and they did this, and here's how they recovered from it. And, and I liked what they did. They were successful in it. And then you can articulate to that to whoever you're you know, working with uh, on the practice tee, and you know, then they can start helping you maybe in your areas uh, you know, pick that up. But uh, I like that. I like that the fact that, that you recognize that because, you know, coming from a professional, most professionals would tell you that. Always want to play with somebody that's better than you because you're going to learn something. Yeah, and, and don't feel bad that, you know, they're no. better than you. They, you know, everybody's got different gifts and talents. And you know what I found? It, it's really funny. I had to qualify for the Legends Tour event in November, uh, the Walgreens event and I hadn't really played in practice a whole lot so it's like you know give up no I don't mean give up but lower your expectations you're probably not going to make it because you have not invested the time and effort that it would take to be able to do this right right um so I wanted to play a practice round alone and I ran over to the first tee to to tee off and I'm getting ready to hit and somebody was in front of me and I was waiting and here comes peeling around the corner this woman in a cart by herself, Jillian Carner. Wow. She goes, I'm going to play with you. And I said, I would love to play with you. Sure. So I used to play golf with her every day. When my first year on tour, I lived in her Airstream trailer in their RV park, right? She lived in mm-hmm. her big condo on the beach, and I was in her little trailer with the cockroaches, right? And <laughs> I worked in the pro shop at, at Palm Beach National, which is a golf course owned by Rich Products Corporation, which is a Buffalo Corporation. And I had met Mr. Rich and I had asked him if I could work at a play at his golf course. And he said, yes, but I have to ask Joanne Carner if she minds. I thought, why would she care? I'm just a punk, right? And so Long story short, we got to be really good friends, and I have learned so much from her. Now, I really wanted to play alone, but was I willing to have a wizard with me? 
who said, yeah. you know, just a couple of tips. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? This is how you do this. You're trying to line up to, you know, just little tiny tips because she loves me. And you know why she loves me? Because I humble myself because I admire her. I lift her up because I know how smart she is. I know right. what she's achieved in her life. And the sad part is, is a lot of young players have no idea who this woman is. And right. she's like a golden treasure. So if if you edify people, um, that's, you know, if you edify people that are better than you, it doesn't mean you're not good. It just means you admire them for all their wisdom and talent. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and and that was interesting, you know, a, a great point because uh, uh, was it last last week that we had Allie on uh, from the Symmetra, Allie McDonald, and of course she was at the uh, Chico's Patty Berg uh, Memorial, and uh, you know we mentioned about because uh, it was some great uh, photo opportunities, but uh, she played alongside, I think it was in the third round uh, with Nancy Lopez, and uh, you know talk about being a sponge. I mean, there's a great opportunity to learn from one of the best female golfers, uh, you know, to walk the earth, Nancy Lopez. Um, but yet at the same point, Allie knows and is smart enough to know that she still has to play her game. She's not playing Nancy's game. She's playing Allie's game. But that doesn't mean she can't, you know, absorb a few nuggets along the way through the round, observe things that Nancy does, why she does it, and maybe ask some questions along the way. Um, you know, so she took full oppor- uh, advantage and opportunity of playing with somebody that she knows maybe isn't playing as well and she probably beat, but she knows that Nancy's experience, much like your case with Joanne, knows that Nancy's experience is vast enough that she may not be playing her best golf today, but she's played at such a level that there's always something that you can learn from that. And that's a smart player in, in Alley um, to be able to, to recognize that, not just say, oh, yeah, yeah, she was you know, some famous golfer from 20 years ago. Um, you know, uh, I can't learn anything from her. She recognized that there's still something to learn um, from this Legends player. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and that's and and the thing is, you know, what what we're trying to say here, really, with with this series, is, you know, we're we're not saying that you have to spend, uh, you know, every waking moment, but you need to be cognizant of these different areas that that Cindy mentioned earlier that we've talked about in this series. If you want to play good golf, even if you just want to go out and have fun, there's certain things that you need to do in order to make the the um, the experience more enjoyable. If you're just going to go out there and hack around, you're not going to have much fun. And you're probably like a lot of people end up doing in that case is they hang up their clubs and, "Eh, you know, I just don't feel like going because it's not a pleasurable or enjoyable experience. So why not take a little bit of time? You don't have to commit three hours a day, like, uh, you know, many of the pros do, but you do need to make some kind of a commitment, Um, you know, connect with, with uh, your local teaching professional and, and work out a game plan, and then when you get all of that, uh, those components put together, play your game. Forget about the other players in your group. Play your game, and that's really what we're here to talk about today. And, uh, you know, Cindy, I think that, um, you know, we can't cover, obviously, every single nuance of the series, and that's why the folks need to, to be able to go online and, and purchase this program. Um, they can get it from your website, CindyMillerGolf.com. 
uh, or they can visit uh, during the show link here and we've got it in there. You can just click on that link after the show and uh, you can purchase it. That'll take you to the, to the uh, link that you need and uh, you can purchase the show there. But, you know, we, we want to just cover some of the, the nuggets, if you will, along the way and just give people an idea of what to expect. And then they can get the full online version, um, you know, at a later point. But um, that's really what we want to talk about is helping people to really understand themselves better so they can go out and play their best games. Absolutely. Boy, I should, I, should be, I should be jotting this stuff down. Um, you know, Cindy, you've had, you know, you've, you've made no bones about in your career, you know, that, that at times you can be a very aggressive player, but that's your game. And you talked about a few weeks back, I remember you made the comment, something along the lines, and I'm just sort of paraphrasing here, that for you to switch gears and to sort of slow yourself down and not play um, the way you do in, in your head makes you play entirely differently. In fact, you're out of your comfort level. Um, what do you do? I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Well, you, you made, you made a, a, a statement, I think, that a lot of times that you, you will go for it and you know can be very aggressive out on the golf course and then there's times when you have to sort of scale it back but it's you sometimes have mentioned that it gets you out of rhythm sometimes what do you do to to sort of combat that you understand what i mean um i'm not sure but i can tell you this that um nothing teaches you better than experience Mm -hmm. so the more you blow it (laughs) <laughs> the more you learn. And if it hurts, you know, I've got this little it box and there's three things in the box. And the first thing is a nail. So how bad does it have to hurt before you're willing to change? Well, for me, you know, I, gee, I don't like it when I fire at the pin and I make triple. That was stupid. You know, yeah. who made that decision? Guess who's holding the club? It all boils down to responsibility and personal awareness and accountability. So golf teaches you many life lessons or you quit. And, you know, it's really funny because I've got one of our students, a guy, a grown-up, who went through this four-month program and, you know, we live in Buffalo, so we had not played here except a couple times because the weather's been not good enough. And he went to Myrtle Beach. Now, he was really hitting the ball good in the dome, right? I've got this. Right. I've got, and, when, and the worst four words in golf are, I've got this now. Never, yep. ever say that. Because the next <laughs> swing is going to be OB. Anyway, long story short, so I got this, I got this. I'm going to Myrtle Beach. I'm going to play. So he texts me, and he says, you know, I shot 53 on the first nine. It wasn't that bad, blah, 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 blah. Well, the next day he goes, okay, so I've now had four eights in a row. I quit. I said, well, you can't quit. Oh, yes, I can. I said, you can't let this game win. It already has. And I thought, now, how sad is that that you've invested all this time and money and you're thinking of end result and you're not paying attention to your process. It's trying to teach you a lesson that you choose not to learn. Right. That's what this is all about. Right. And and that that's a, a great example. You know, Cindy, I think this is what the trap that a lot of um particularly amateur golfers get in, um, 
you know, they, they go, they want to go through the process or they say they want to go through the process to learn, to play better golf. And the first things change is not an easy thing for, for as a human being to accept. Nobody likes change. Um, even some of the best people will tell you that change is hard. Um, if change was easy, everybody would be doing it and it's hard. And I think what ultimately ends up happening is as, as this gentleman obviously has, has articulated very well is he, in his mind, he thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to go through this change. I'm going to learn, um, from somebody that's experienced and make the adjustments that I need to my game and got to a point where almost an arrogance took over. Yeah, I've got this now, as you said, the four words you don't want to use in golf and went with an attitude. Okay. I've got this. And, and certainly it's great to have confidence, but then at the first sign of defeat or, um, you know, difficulties go reverts back to that mindset is I just can't do this. And as you said, it's a process. The one thing I think the biggest mistake that most golfers make, Cindy, and I think you'd probably agree with this is they think that there's a quick fix for whatever ails them. And that's just not the case. People work on their game their entire life because it's much like life. You're going to have ups and downs and challenges along the way. And I think that those that go in with that mindset, knowing that it's a continual progression that you're always, and you're going to have some setbacks, but it's, you have to move in that same direction. And I think for those that aren't willing to make those changes and those adjustments along the way are the ones like this gentleman that just sort of get throw in the towel and give up. And, you know, you've seen it, I'm sure a million times. This is what is the Achilles heel of most amateur golfers is they just don't understand that, it's a it's a lifelong journey. It's not uh, it's not a quick fix. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. You know, and yep. I mean here here, it really, you know, here and again, if that's what yeah. you choose. So right. uh, again, you got to be willing to look in the mirror and say, okay, the ball goes where the face points. That's the truth. And the only one that's controlling the face is you. And right. the only one that's controlling you is your thoughts and your control tower. So what are that's creating the swings that's creating the ball flight? And once you change that, you can change everything. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, attitude certainly is a lot of it. I think that the attitude that you have going into whatever you do, whether it's learning to play golf, um, you know, business, what have you, the attitude that you take with you, um, is going to dictate the outcome. I don't care how, how many degrees you have, how many diplomas you have. Um, if you have a negative or defeatist attitude going into a task, you're almost 99.9%. I even say a hundred, but 99.9% you're going to fail because yeah. your attitude will dictate your actions. And Cindy, you know, throughout your, your journey as a player, you know, you've had ups and downs, you've had your, your own set of challenges, but you've recognized that it's a journey and you're continuing to make that journey and making those adjustments and tweaks here and there along the way in order to make yourself uh, not just a better player, um, but just somebody that is able to then give back as a teacher professional and help those learn from what you've learned. Um, and that doesn't mean they're going to do everything exactly the same as you, but you, you now can be um, – the person that they can now sponge from, if you will, to, to use a phrase. And, and that's, that's something that, you know, we all need to sort of aspire to. And, and, you know, Cindy, 
the, the other thing is whether you ever, you know, make it to be in the top 10 on the, on the, you know, LPJ or legends tour or what have you at this point is really irrelevant because you've learned the most important lesson at all is that is to be yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's why you continue to be um, truly successful. Uh, you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings about success. You know, people just assume, well, I've got to have all these uh, trophies and all these accolations. But you've learned, I think, through your journey that success is not defined about the, the, you know, the accolades and the trophies. It's really about what you give of yourself to others. And, you know, you, you do that so very well. I mean, everybody that comes on the show that's known you, uh, people that I've, you know, communicated with other circles that know you all say the same thing. That, you know, Cindy Miller's a, a great individual, a great person, and always gives of herself to others. And you can't ask for a better accolade than that. Uh, I don't know if that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, we're just waiting for uh, for our special guest, um, LPJ professional Mary Rabb is going to be joining us here in just a moment or two. So we'll continue the conversation. Let me just tell you actually a little bit about her. Um, we'll get that part of it out of the way. A very interesting story uh, um, about Mary. She uh, really started playing uh, at a very, very early age. Uh, she talks about uh, here in, in a little bit of her background uh, on her eighth birthday, her parents uh, decided that uh, they were going to move uh, from from living out of the the country. Uh, they were living in in a country uh, area, and uh, decided to move a little bit closer to town. And I'm sure uh, for most kids, it's it's a little bit upsetting to sort of uproot and move. But it turned out to be a, a positive thing for her because they moved very close uh, to a local golf course in her area. In fact, she puts it here a short wedge to the fifth green uh, on a golf course where they moved to, and. Uh, at the time, her father decided that uh, using his, his best efforts that he was going to uh, speak with the local golf professional and work so that he could have his, uh, his kids, he had five of them, of course, uh, to be able to play golf. And as it turned out, he was able to get them to play golf for free. So they had a great opportunity to have access to a golf course. Uh, and, and Mary essentially just ran with it. Uh, she fell in love with the game very early on and continued to play uh, as most of us do at that age, you know, we, we sort of fantasize about playing with some of our, our favorite players, uh, Nancy P- Lopez uh, and uh, Jack Nicholas, of course, come to mind as, as two of the greats of that time. And uh, we all imagine we're, we're playing in the Masters or we're playing in some other event and uh, going neck and neck with some of the best players. And, uh, you know, at some point uh, throughout that journey uh, in around uh, early 90s, uh, she had an opportunity to start working at a local pro shop in Carmel, Indiana. And uh, that sort of began her path uh, on her way to becoming an LPGA professional. And uh, she's had the opportunity to work with some great people and and also uh, had some life-changing events over the last 25 years. And she's going to talk about a little bit of them here uh, when she joins us here in in a few moments. Um, But, you know, know, Cindy, so many of us really started golf, started playing this game at a very young age. We were introduced by... Um, maybe a family member. More often than not, at, at that uh, time, I think mainly fathers were, were sort of introducing their kids. Um, how were you introduced to the game? My parents both played and dragged me to the golf course every weekend. <laughs> now, when you first, and, and be honest about this, when you first went as a, as, a, as a youngster, was it something that you were kind of excited about? Did you really take to it? Or was it something that sort of you know, bitchy in the ankles a little bit later on. I said, okay, I like this, and, and I, I want to I do this. 
I didn't like it. I really didn't like it because it was too uh, frustrating. <laughs> and yet, I didn't, and yet I you... wanted to win. I was a brat. <laughs> a well, real here... brat. And I'm still a brat, Ted. You keep telling everybody what a nice person I am. I'm really not that nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to build. I, I'm trying to build you up. <laughs> I've tried yeah, to well, you don't need to, because most of the people realize that I am not that nice. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. I, I think I could round up very quickly uh, 100 people that would, would say otherwise. All right, I see that Mary's joining us here, so let's bring Mary on. I've already given a brief introduction uh, about her uh, her upcoming into golf, and uh, we'll get her to, to jump in the conversation. So let's welcome our very special guest, uh, LBJ professional Mary Rabb. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. We're, Thanks for joining us. We're doing great, Mary. Yeah, thank you for, for joining us, and uh, and we look forward to it. Um, Mary, we were just uh, – Cindy and I were just sort of kidding here a little bit. Um, I, I mentioned in, in some of your, your biography, you, you know, you talk about how, you know, you were introduced to the game very young, and, and uh, your family moved. Uh, in, in fact, you were – it was announced on your uh, eighth birthday that you were moving from the country uh, into into town – um, but little did you know that you were uh, really uh, that was a catalyst to start your career because you moved close to to a local golf course and uh, had access uh, thanks to your father. Tell us just a little bit more on, on that part of the journey, and then there's some specific things that we want to talk to you about uh, about your journey. Sure. Uh, well, being the last of five kids and the only girl, I really didn't stand a chance of not participating in any sport. But at that time, I think I was about three foot six. And I was just, it was just awful. Everywhere I went, I was like, what's wrong with that little kid? Is she never going to be an athlete or whatever? My brother said, come on, let's go over and talk to this guy at the golf course. So it kind of became a, a, a kind of a joke, the little kid beating the little boys, beating the big boys. And we went out on the putting green. This guy comes out, and my dad said, hey, that's the golf pro. I'm like, whoa, this guy's pretty cool. He came over, and he was like this really normal guy. He said, here, let me show you how to putt. I was hooked literally hooked and I told my dad this is what I want to do when I grow up and he said after just putting for a few minutes I said this is heaven dad look at this look at the green grass you can hear the birds and it was just like everything just made so much sense it was amazing I want to I want to jump really quickly um, Mary to to a a comment that you made in in your notes Um, because I I know that you're obviously very very proud of what you're doing and you enjoy it tremendously but um, some friends have said to you over the years, you know, to, to kind of get a real job, but you look at this, <laughs> it is a real job. Um, and, and what people don't understand is it's not just out, you know, um, you know, hitting golf balls and things like that. There's a reason why people are in this profession. I mean, where else can you have a better office than out on a, on a golf course where it's lush and green and beautiful? And as you said, the birds and, and so forth, what do you, what do your friends say now? <laughs> nice tan. <laughs> and, yeah, they, they're jealous, and it's fun. And now it's funny because now I'm turning to teach their children how to play golf. And it's it's absolutely a gift because I look outside right now and I think, what's a bad day? Like I said, I think my bio is, is rain, and that's, that's the worst day we could have. And to watch people really see my life kind of fall together and without a college education and um, just really making something happen. And these kids that come to me now, one of the things that I really do that I'm very passionate about is teaching kids that have special needs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like they, they think that, you know, they'll never have anything. And I say, you just hit a golf ball that five, five minutes ago, you didn't even know how to 
hold the club and look what you've already accomplished. Right. And, 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 and kudos to you for, for doing that. Cause that's, I, I know that's not an, an, an easy task to, to do. Um, you've done so obviously some great work working with the special needs uh, kids and being able to help them. Um, you know, golf is challenging enough for, for everybody, but obviously in some cases it can be a little bit more challenging. Um, what's the reward for them? What do you see in their faces when they're out there and they, you know, they hit a putt or they hit a shot that even if it only goes, you know, a few yards down the fairway, what's the reward factor that you see in their faces um, after you've been working with them for a little while? The look in their eyes is, is usually just, I did it, you know, and it just gets, just gets my juices going and I, I just run over and give them a high five. And, you know, usually it's, it's a high five and then a hug. And like, I did do it. I, I can do this coach. And I said, come on, let's go to the next hole. I have one little guy who doesn't want to leave the putting room when he makes the putt. So come on, Matthew, yep. let's go to the next hole. And he's like, no, I want to stay here. So come on, buddy. We've got nine, we've got eight more holes to go. And it, it just is amazing just to look in their eyes because if it doesn't go in, they don't see the disappointment like we might when we miss a three-foot right. putt because they're just happy to have a club in their hand and an opportunity to try. Right, exactly. As a, as a golf professional, if, if you could sort of articulate for, for um, you know, in addition to, to some of the amateur golfers out there that might be tuning into the program, we also have some that are also uh, teacher professionals. Is there anything that they need to know when working with special needs uh, kids or, or even adults? What, what do they need to know in, in order to be able to, to make a, a good experience for them? What, what do they need to know? Is there any sort of special skills involved or or anything that, that you could articulate uh, for the audience to explain when, when working with these kids? I would say uh, check your ego at the door and leave your expectations, you know, somewhere else because you'll absolutely be blown away because what you think they won't do, they will do even better. And what you thought might be your plan for the day was to go out and play two or three holes. You might be looking for orange golf balls in four feet of thistles and yep. thinking, what in the world am I doing? And the look on his face is, this is what my idea of playing golf is. And they'll come out there after 40 minutes, lessons over with, and I'll say, come on, Riley, let's hit one more ball. And he hits it down the fairway 100 yards, and he says, I can't wait to see you again next week, Coach. Wow. Wow, what that's a awesome. – what a, yeah, that that's fantastic. Um do you require any, is there any sort of, spe- and I guess this is what I'm getting at, is there any special training mm-hmm. that, that you've sort of taken or that's maybe necessary to, um, to work with that uh, situation or, or no? <laughs> You're going to make me cry on the show, aren't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you just have to have a heart. You absolutely have to have a heart. You have to be able to be willing to be flexible, and you have to know that what they deem is important and that particular lesson is maybe just to get away from the yuck at school and there was somebody right. who cares. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Now, how long have you been, and is this something that, that you, what sort of caused you to lean towards um, working with, with the special needs kids? Cause it's obviously very challenging at times, I'm sure. Um, and, and not easy compared to, um, you know, maybe working with, with, you know, kids that are not, um, what sort of led you into that direction? Was it just sort of happenstance that, that it came about or was there a specific reason? 
it just is kind of ironic that you say that because I've had this gentleman now. I call him a gentleman. He's 19 now. I met him when he was 13, and I was teaching at a driving range that has a junior golf campus during the summer. It's uh, five days a week for typically seven to ten weeks throughout the summer, and it's a, you know a catchment of all ages and all abilities. And you know if they've never played, it's not a problem. We introduce them all the same. And I had a mother call one day, and I happened to be in the clubhouse to answer the phone, which I usually weren't in there. And uh, she was pretty upfront about her son and having um, Asperger's, a form of autism, and said that he was a little bit older, but had been watching TV and had seen golf and shown some interest. I wanted to see if I thought he would be a good candidate for camp. And I said, well, he was my first exposure to any, any form of special needs or special abilities. So I do a little studying on it. So I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we meet at a different location so it won't even be a distraction for Noah at this place? And I said, I'll give you a 30-minute lesson for nothing, and we'll just, you know, get to know each other and see what he thinks. So she said, well, that, you know, that's a nice gesture. You don't have to do that. And I said, it would be my privilege because I was just as excited for the exposure as, you know, maybe sure. meeting a new friend. So we met, and – I, for about the first 10 minutes, there was no eye contact, and he was real quiet, kind of, you know, he was nervous and uncomfortable. So I, at the time, he and I were eye to eye, and um, I looked at him, and I said, Noah, can I ask you a favor? I said, can you do me a favor? I said, can you look at my eyes? I said, what color are they? He said, green. I said, okay, what else is green? He said, the grass. So from there on, that small connection, we mm-hmm. became friends. So I started, you know, doing a lesson. We did putting, and by the end of the lesson, his mother's name Shelly, and she said, what do you think, Noah? And he said, I like it. And she said, do you want to do it again? And he said, yeah. And, and I said, do you think you'd be better with a group of people, or do you want to try another lesson with me? And he said, I, I just want to do it with you. And six years later, we're still meeting every Saturday. And in that relationship, I've established a relationship with his dad, and his dad now has taken lessons with him, and it's opened up a new avenue of relationship with he and his father. And it's it's really awesome to watch that grow. And he really gets ticked off when his dad outdrives him. That's kind of funny because he's even though you know <laughs> even though he's autistic, even though he's not what everybody else would call normal or mainstream, he's competitive. And um, I, you know, when he, his dad outdrives him and says. Go give your dad five. He's no. I said, Come on, no. You got to learn about sportsmanship too. So right. it's funny. So I I did a little research on my before the interview, and I I think I have uh, eleven or twelve uh, kids with special abilities that I teach. Wow, that's fantastic. What a what a great testament. Yeah. Um, Thank and, you. And Cindy, what what a great you know opportunity here, and this really falls into life lessons. You know, here's a young uh, a young uh, lad who's had some challenges obviously in life and this experience has helped open up a, and, and solidified a better relationship with, with uh, a parent. Um, I mean, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, again, it's not about the money. It's about helping change lives. And that's what, you know, it's so evident that you care about what you do and that's, mm-hmm. that's, what makes it all worthwhile. I, I, I mean, it's just, it's really, really cool. And that's why we do what we do, you know? Yes, exactly that's why exactly we right. Do what we do. Yeah, and, and you know, Cindy, as, as I was telling uh, Mary, as I was saying to Cindy just before you came on, you know, a, a lot of people look at her 
as being, you know, a great asset to the game because it's, it's not about, you know, being the best player and, and having all of the trophies and accolades. It's about what you're able to give back within your community. And Cindy, you know, does a phenomenal job and you, you can virtually ask. And, mm-hmm. and I know, I know Cindy, you don't like to, you know, to pat yourself on the back and I understand that. So I'm going to, I'm going to pat you on the back for you, but um, you know, one of the great things that, that I often hear when I'm in a conversation and I mention Cindy Miller's name is they, Oh yeah, you know, I, I love Cindy and she's just great and blah, blah, blah. And you know, they talk about how hard of a worker she is and how much she gives back to the game. And that's what, you know, what she loves about it is working and, and changing lives. But as you said, Cindy, it's not about the money aspect. It's about changing lives. Well, it really is because what we do is we take something that it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're an athlete because we've all helped football players who can't hit the ball. You know, so, right. But it is about helping people do something that's really hard and very difficult, and they don't believe they can do it, and we give them hope. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's, that's well we said. We give them hope. Yeah, well said. Um, Mary, you also have uh, something I wanted to mention, too. Uh, you have a friend of yours, Bob, uh, who has some of his own challenges. Of course, Bob is an adult, um, but mm-hmm. he has some of his own challenges. Um, tell us what you're doing to help him. Well, before um, he had a traumatic brain bleed, be the uh, 13th of May will be just a year anniversary, and um, – before he had this horrible tragedy thing to happen to him, he had a uh, three or four handicap and um, very financially you know, successful man in the finance business. And one day went to bed and his stepdaughter found him, thank God. And the therapist at the time saved his life and said, you know, we don't even know if he's going to be able to speak or swallow or walk or do anything. And due to to these doctors, and his wife, ironically enough, is a doctor cardiologist, but had um, the very, very great blessing to be connected to an amazing hospital here in Indianapolis that has really taken him from nothing to where he is now. In fact, he's taken uh, lessons to learn how to drive a car again. And I had given his wife lessons about 14 years ago and gone through some times in her life that she decided she needed to put golf on the back shelf and married Bob, wonderful relationship, and wanted to get back into golf with her, and she just dug her heels and said, no, no, no. So fast forward to a year ago, you know, she was starting to get excited about maybe playing golf, and then he became ill. And um, about Christmas time this past, they were at therapy, and the therapist said, you know, Bob, if you could do anything again, what would it be? And he said, play golf. So, you know, she you know, Sheila set out her feelers, and um, a couple months later, they were at the therapy again, and this lady says, I found the name of a lady that I think would be a good teacher for Bob. I've heard she's really patient with people. She went to her office, and she came back and laid my business card on the table. And keep in mind, I don't know this therapist. I have no idea who this woman is. I still have not met her yet. And Sheila said, uh, is her name Mary Rabin? She said, yeah. And she said, wow, I said a prayer that, some, that God would put somebody in my life that I could help my husband out to achieve his goal of playing golf again 13 years later so she wow. me, told me this yeah it was pretty cool she told me called me and told me the story and I was just like in awe I couldn't believe how our paths had crossed again and uh, I met Bob and I will tell you 
my life changed that day because to see you hit on the word, both of you did the word hope. There's no greater word than that. I don't Mm -hmm. believe. And he said to me, if you can help me hit the ball, I don't care how far he said, I will be so excited and so grateful. And so I said, well, okay, he's a right-handed golfer, but his right side is affected. And Mm -hmm. I thought maybe might be left-handed would be better. Well, that didn't work. So I got him a seven iron and he hit a shot. I had him on a simulator at our indoor place and he hit, First seven iron out of the gate, about 110 yards. Wow. And his stepson had brought him to the lesson and his therapist, and he looked at me and he said, I can't believe that just happened. And he hit four or five shots right out of the barrel like he'd never had a day off. And I said, I think you're going to be all right, Bob. And he said, I think so too. And we've just had our last last lesson uh, probably Sunday or Saturday or Sunday this past week, and he's – in Florida right now playing golf. Good for him. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, the, that that's the, you know, I think the really cool thing about doing, you know, really what we doing is, is, you know, you can, people define set success in different ways. And I define what you just explained here as, as a success. Um, you know, whether he hits at 110 yards, 120 is relevant or, you know, uh, gets back to a three or four handicap, the fact that you've given hope, again, not to use that word, but hope, again, for somebody that's gone through a very traumatic experience here of late and let him know and also let his wife know that he's going to be okay and that he can continue mm-hmm. on in his journey in life uh, doing something that he obviously enjoyed and loved. I mean, of all the things that he could have done, you know, he picked golf. And he sees now that he's able to do that in some fashion and he and his wife can continue on and, and enjoy their lives um, and doing something that they obviously both enjoy. And that rekindles, I'm sure her passion as well to want to get out and, and mm-hmm. play again. Right. And uh, that, you know, that's a great, uh, again, testament to you, uh, Mary, for, for what you're doing. Um, I, I want to switch gears just a little bit because we only have a little bit more time here, but uh, one other person that you taught um, that was very interesting. I, I read in the notes um, at, at 62 years young was your mother. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that experience. <laughs> that was that was amazing, an ex- amazing experience as someone who's just, you know, as you revered as never doing anything wrong and everything was just the way it was, and that was mom. And when she retired, I got her a set of uh, Lang golf clubs. Pat Lang hooked me up with her. And um, I gave her 12 golf lessons. And I wrote her a little certificate out. And I keep in mind at that time, I'd only been teaching about 12 years. So I would consider myself still a little green. And it was, oh, my gosh, I was so nervous. And the funny thing is, I even lived with them at the time. So, like, now, don't forget your lesson today, Mother. And um, so we, she showed up to the first lesson. And I, my dad was reminding me, start her on the putting green. And she set up to hit a putt about 30 yards, excuse me, 30 feet away. And she left it about four or five inches short. And and I said, well, I don't know that you need a whole lot of work on your putting game. So we did a little (laughs) chipping, and it it just was just funny. I mean, I could tell you story after story, but the the bottom line was my mom was that she had probably at the top speed, maybe 40, 42 mile an hour club at speed, was not a very strong woman, and never hit the ball more than 100 yards ever. But she always hit it straight. And Mm -hmm. The grip was unorthodox. The backswing was squirrely, and I always asked her, said, please don't tell anyone your daughter's a golf professional because I wonder why I didn't start with you. And 
but she it, it wasn't that she didn't care or didn't try to do it what we thought textbook was the right way but she found a way to get the club head back to square and make it go down the fairway that's fantastic you know that that really epitomizes cindy um really what we talk about on the show is that it doesn't matter how you arrive at the journey as long as you arrive and and I'm speaking of course metaphorically but mm-hmm. you know so many people so many, and Mary I'm sure you see this and, and Cindy I know that both you and I have seen this as well how many people out there are trying to build the perfect golf swing and they're spending all of their efforts out in the driving range trying to get their arms in just the perfect position their feet you know their stance everything's just got to be perfect because that's what they're seeing on TV instead of playing their games instead of playing their own game and doing what comes naturally and working with that and building from that, they're trying for perfection. Um, yep. Right? There is no perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. Right. Yes. Um, Mary, if you could just sort of sum it up for us, Nat. When, when all said and done, and, and you know, obviously I, I'm sure your career is going to keep continuing on as, as long as you possibly can, um, what do you hope – you take away from this experience and what do you hope the people that you work with take away from the experience with you? That's, that is a great question. Thank you for asking me that is that mm-hmm. each, each lesson, each person that I see, I have zero expectations with them. I really, really work on having a zero, you know, level of what do I think this person is going to accomplish? when I first meet them. And then I ask them and say, well, why are you here? And if, are you here for your husband? Are you here for your boss? Is this something you just want to learn because you're, it interests you or whatever. And we sat down for a few minutes and have a Coke and just talk about just basic stuff. Here's what we're going to go. And I tell them, in fact, I had a lady yesterday, I'd never seen her before said the chalkboard is clean and we're going to write on it, whatever you want to write on it, what your goals are. If your goal is this summer to learn how to hit your driver, that's where we're going to work on. If you want to learn how to hit a 30-foot putt, that's what we'll work on. And I really have have worked on, and I've been told this, not to say this about myself, but I've been told that what makes my job successful with my clients is that I dictate nothing. I let them tell right. me what they want, what they want to work on, and they come to me because I, after I see them for their lesson when they leave, I have no idea what they do on their practice time or their playing. So how would I be effective if I told them, what I thought we should do. I let them tell right. me what direction we're going to take. Well said. Thank and, you. And that's, yeah, and that's exactly true. I think that's, uh, that's something that we, we can all learn from as, as teacher professionals. I think that, you know, we have to, we have to be good listeners. I mean, it's great to be a good speaker and it's great yeah. to have the knowledge and, and all, as I said, all the certificates and things like that you want. But the first and foremost thing you have to do as, as a good um, um, golf professional is you need to be a good listener and understand what your students' needs and wants and desires are and then build from that and not the other way around, not dictate to them what you think they should do. Because um, as we all know, when you, when you approach it from that standpoint, uh, the student often becomes frustrated because they can't live up to the expectations mm-hmm. that you've set for them and ultimately, you know, fall, uh, slip away from the game, and, and that's not what we want. We want them to come to the game and, and uh, make it a lifelong journey. Um, Mary, exactly. wanna, we, yeah, unfortunately we're out of time, but I want to give you just a quick moment here, if you can, just to let the folks know um, how they can get a hold of you if they're interested uh, and, and where, where you're located out of. 
Okay. Um, I live in Fishers, Indiana, about 30 minutes away from Indianapolis, and I teach at a nine-hole golf course, uh, an executive course, but pretty tricky course. And the name of it is uh, Balmoral, and number would be 317-900-9992. And we have a beautiful facility, and it's actually just the second year that's been open to the public. So we're still working on it on a daily basis to get the public know and get the word out. We'd love to have people come out and check us out. And do you have an email or a website, honey? Yes, I have an email. It's uh, loverofgolf at AOL.com. Wow, I like that. <laughs> that's yeah. a great. That's a great email. Um, well, Mary, listen, Cindy uh, and I want to thank you very much for for joining us this morning. We appreciate it um, sharing that. Some great stories that you shared with it, um, with with the audience. And uh, please continue to do the great work that you do. And and uh, we'd love to have you back on again uh, and spend some time with us. Thank you guys so much. It was a great opportunity. And hope you guys have a great day. Thank right. you, Mary. You're a breath of fresh air. Thanks, honey. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was our very special guest, uh, of course, LPH professional, uh, Mary Rabb. Uh, very great story, Cindy, and, and uh, just, you know, really uh, just goes, to, again, to attest the fact that there's some great people in this business and um, that just, you know, enjoy enjoy it for, again, not the accolades, not the, the money, but just enjoy um, doing great things to help uh, other people, and, and, uh, and I think that's why she gets so much fulfillment and enjoyment out of it, as do you. Um, Cindy, I know you, you're on your on your travels there. You're on to uh, another busy day, so we're, we're going to wrap things up. But um, Cindy Miller and I want to thank you for joining us here this morning on the Women of Golf Show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion uh, from Cindy's Own Your Game series. We'll have another segment next week uh, as well as uh, another great uh, couple of guests. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, please continue to do so. Go to blogtalkradio.com and type in Women of Golf, and you'll get us there every uh, Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time. And, uh, again, we want to thank you for tuning in and joining us uh, here, and we will see you next Tuesday uh, here on the Women of Golf. Thank you, and, and have a good week, everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.